Welcome to Getting Curious. This is Jonathan Van Ness. And before we get started with this week's episode, I have a quick little uh, caveat to uh, to this one. I'm trying to find the words because it is still um, very hard. Um, our guest this week is Hannah Shaw, who is the kitten lady, who is an incredible advocate for kittens everywhere. And we recorded this episode um, the week before the accident with Bug the Second. So we have um, been sitting with the episode for a few weeks and, um, you know, we are just so proud of the work that Hannah does and we are so excited to share this episode. So without further ado, we love you all so much. Rest in power, Bug the Second, and enjoy this episode of Getting Curious. Welcome to Getting Curious. This is Jonathan Vaness. This is... I'm someone who believes firmly in not playing favorites, but I have to tell you right now, this is already my favorite episode of all time. Uh, Welcome to Getting Curious. Hannah Shaw, author, advocate, cat advocate, people advocate, person I'm obsessed with. Thank you so much for coming, Hannah. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm holding two of the most beautiful baby kittens right now. And they're rescue baby cattens, even though they look like they could be really expensive because they are so chic looking. <laughs> what did you tell me who you think there's like a bobcat running around the streets of L.A.? <laughs> These guys look really fancy, but I can tell you when I got them, they looked anything but fancy. They're four weeks old now. I've had them since they were a few days old. And when I got them, they were completely crusted with fleas. Like when I tell you the first bath I gave them, the water ran red with blood from them being so eaten by fleas. So they look really fancy now, but that's because they got the kitten lady treatment. Where did they Where did they come to you from? <laughs> These guys came into a shelter here in the LA area, and they were born underneath a wheelbarrow. And somebody found them, brought them into the shelter. And this is what happens a lot. People find kittens outside. They assume they've been abandoned, and they bring them to the shelter, not realizing that most animal shelters are not set up with the ability to provide care to kittens this young. So that's how they end oh, up with like me. because it's like NICU, because you're like NICU for cats. Exactly, yeah. So I take on the most vulnerable, most young orphaned babies who've been separated from their mothers, and I raise them until they're weaned and healthy and ready to be adopted. So in, okay, so these babies are like four weeks old? Yeah, like today. It's like Today's their four-week four birthday. So in the wild, they would still be nursing from their mommies? Absolutely. These guys are bottle feeding, and if you want, when we're done with this, you can bottle feed them. Oh, that's what we'll do on our con- for our, our, our content. I would love for you to bottle feed them. It's They're really good at eating now. They were, oh my gosh, John, you're Jonathan is in heaven right now. Oh my god! <laughs> they love you. I think they think that your beard is like a mom cat because she keeps rubbing on it. I am a mom cat. You, <laughs> you are know? a mom cat. Did you not? Did no one tell you that I am a mom cat? <laughs> Why? Well, my producers apparently were you know really sleeping when they were napping you because or when they were they were napping when they were booking you because they didn't tell you I was a mom cat. Right. Well, that's am. why they're so fond of you. Oh my god! They're I think so they're going to start nursing on your face. Soon. Oh my god! Please nurse on my chin. <laughs> you guys will be disappointed and hungry because it does. It make milk, but it does. <laughs> my chin does love you both so much. Okay, wait. So they just so people so like vets will just or not not vets like human or like animal rescues will just call you and be like, hey, we got these NICU cats. We don't know what to do with them. Yeah. So what happens is. There are lots of kittens born outside. In fact, 80% of kittens born every year are born outside on the street to community cats who live outdoors. And so people, just people who live in the neighborhood, they find these kittens in alleyways, under their porches, in the bushes. So sorry. (laughs) There's a no butt licking rule here. Well, I I guess I can. I just... 
They can lick each other's butts if they feel like they no, need to. No, it's okay. They shouldn't. Do you want to put them in the plate? No. Then? No. <laughs> Thanks for asking, though. Okay, you look like you're having a good yeah. time. So, uh, so people will find these kittens outside, and a lot of people don't realize mom is actually around the corner. Getting food. She's getting food, or she's not there because you're there, and she's looking at you going, when is this person going to leave so I can go back to my babies? Well, people scoop them up, bring them to the animal shelter, and then shelters, we have to remember, they have limited supplies and resources. So in your opinion, is it better to leave the kittens? Well, I have a whole section in my book all about can this. Can you recap because, it for us? Yeah, it's, it's complicated. It depends on the situation. So, Hotel, I mean, first of all, read the fucking book. It's called <laughs> Tiny But Mighty, Kitten Lady's Guide to Saving the Most Vulnerable Felines. Um, did you do the audio for it? I did, yeah. So I did an audio book as well, and I cry in the audio book telling some of these stories because I feel so passionately about this. And it's a really beautiful, fun book that goes through not just how to do this stuff, which I'm happy to tell you all I'm going to cry how. listening to you talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> But also, like, it's filled with narrative and stories of kittens that I've saved from bushes and, you know, underneath porches. So how do you use how do you use your judgment? Are you looking for? I'm literally crying, you guys. It's like, okay. what I are you cry doing? Every day. Are you like? Are, are you like? Okay, mom. I think that could have been mom run over, or I think that could have been like mom's not coming back. I've been yeah. observing the cats for like two days there. They're like, there's no like what like how do you judge? Yeah. So if you find kittens outside and they look clean and like they've been eating, they are not you know covered in filth, they're not crying out in hunger, probably mom is there taking care of them. The thing that you want to do then is try to reunite mom and babies, ideally in foster care. So you can actually foster a mom cat, even if she's feral, and her babies until the babies are old enough to be weaned. Because, you know, I'm a mom cat and you're a mom cat, but the real mom cats are the cats who live outside. Yes. And we want the babies to stay with them if possible. Um, if no mom returns, then, yeah, we want to scoop those babies up and make sure that they have the resources they need. But that is really what my project Kitten Lady is all about, is helping animal shelters create programs for these babies oh. and then also helping empower the public to step up in their own own way by fostering because this is not a problem that can be solved within the four walls of an animal shelter. Really, this is a community problem with a community solution, and that's foster parents. So what's the problem? Well, the problem is, one, there are a lot of kittens being born outside. And in the United States and, like, all over the world. Yeah, well, there's about half of the cats in the United States are community cats who live outdoors. So Half the cats? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, that's the original way of being a cat. These cats lived you know, in symbiosis with us. And then we started making them into, you know, our companions, which is great. But a lot of these cats still live outside in our neighborhoods. And if we're not doing sterilization programs with them, you know, we all spay and neuter our, our companion cats at home. But not everybody knows that you can actually do that with the cats living in your neighborhood. And that's going to prevent so many oh, kittens Oh, like take them in to born. go get them spayed and neuter? Yeah, so it's called trap, neuter, return. And trap, neuter, return is where you take a humane trap, you trap the cats in your neighborhood, you bring them in to be sterilized, and then they're returned to where they live. So it's kind of like you wave this magic wand and you say, okay, guys, you can stay, but you just can't have any more. Yeah. And it's really important because every kitten that I get that comes into my rescue comes from outside. So we want to prevent more of them from coming in. So that's number one. The second thing is people need to know that when these kittens come into a shelter, shelters have operating hours. Do you see she's making biscuits on you? Yeah, she's, she's meeting. Like, yeah, she's like a little biscuit factory. Loves. She's making us breakfast. I love. Should be ready in a little bit. Yes. Thank you, Sunbeam. Uh, so when these kittens come into a shelter, 
they typically are going to meet their fate within 24 hours. They're going to either make it out into a foster home or they're going to be euthanized because they only hold them for 24 hours. In well, a lot the of thing that people have to understand, and it's not at all a, a speaking poorly about shelters. It's actually the opposite. It's it's shelters are doing so much and they're doing everything they can, but they have limited hours. They close at the end of the day. And these guys, you know, they're on a four hour you feeding schedule. You guys don't schedule. close, do you? Guys always open for feeding. Yeah, so you couldn't, you couldn't leave these guys overnight in an animal shelter. No, it wouldn't be ethical. No. So <laughs> they are loving you so much. This might be the happiest I've ever seen them. She's just like making air biscuits and he's like loving on your beard. They're uh. so cute right now. I was thinking I would make a video after this to get them adopted from someone else in four weeks, but I think they're going to live in New York City with their three <laughs> new siblings, Harry, Larry, Liza, and Bug the Second. <laughs> yeah. You guys are babies. Oh, wait, so anyway, what were you saying? What were you oh, talking? gosh. You know, it's so distracting when you have kittens in your arms, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I was just saying how important it is for people to realize that this is a problem that anybody in the public can do something about. And that's really empowering because anybody can go sign up to foster. You basically babysit for a couple of weeks and then you... Well, who runs those programs? Like the local humane societies? Yeah, so the animal shelters or you can work with local rescue groups that pull animals out of the shelter. Uh, but... Whoever you foster through, you're making a difference, whether it's through your municipal shelter or your local rescue groups. So, because there's really no, like, government—I mean, it, does the government, like, do animal rescue? Like, do they—or is it more like animal catching, really? So, it depends on what organization you're talking about. There's a few different models of shelters. There are private humane societies, which are nonprofit organizations that anybody can start. So, you and I could say we're going to start a nonprofit animal— uh, shelter together, and that's private shelters. But then there are municipal shelters. So every municipality in the United States uh, has some kind of animal control or animal shelter. And so those are open uh, open admission shelters. And what that means is if you're a government-run facility, you have an obligation to take in every animal, regardless of whether you actually have the but resources to help But are those the kill ones, them. usually the government ones? Because they just, like, they have to get rid of what they don't have room for or it's something? It's a really hard thing because when we say, like, kill and no kill, it can kind of have this really negative connotation. Yes. And, of course, it's it's very sad that animals are killed in shelters and that's what the whole point of this project is, to stop that. But uh, the shelters that are euthanizing these kittens that are typically going to be your you know, municipal shelters, they're the ones that need the most support. They're the ones that need our help. So uh, sometimes— So like don't be mean to the no-kill yeah, shelters. Well, yeah, well, don't be mean to the shelters that are the municipal— or don't be mean to any shelters, yeah. you know, the people who work in these shelters. they're not trying to kill animals. Oh, my it's gosh, like what? they have the most heart-wrenching job in the world. They're, like, standing in the eye of the storm trying to make sense of it all. And so— Fostering is a gift not just to the kittens, but to the people who work in animal shelters because they don't want to be dealing with this either. Uh, it's a really beautiful healing thing. So how do we sign up to be fosters? Well, the first thing is realizing that you have what it takes. And that's why I wrote this book, Tiny But Mighty. Tiny But Mighty is, it is kind of talking about how the kittens themselves are tiny but mighty, but also we are tiny but mighty. Like movements are made up of individuals. So every single individual action you take plays towards the greater good, right? So every person can do this. All you have to do is, you know, learn uh, how what local shelter or rescue groups are in your area, contact them and say, hey, I think I'm interested in fostering. Usually they're going to have some kind of, Vetting you know, process. sign up that maybe they'll have you do an orientation. And then I always recommend that you start with 
doing maybe a mom and babies or some older kittens so that you kind of get your feet wet yeah. and you know, get comfortable with kittens who are like this age, you know, the ones they're so comfortable in your arms. Mountain Gem is like, he's like, okay, I'm home. Uh, <laughs> cause you, cause you said just before we started recording that you just moved to LA. Um, I live in San Diego. San Diego, my bad. Yeah. And I, li- I moved here a year ago, but I was living on the East coast before you that. You were? So you've been rescuing kitties for a little baby bit? For a long time. So what happened Hannah? You were just like minding your own business one morning <laughs> and you were like a little baby girl. Like, how did you decide that you wanted to do this? This happened to me by accident. I was already an animal advocate, but I had never actually rescued animals. And I was living in Philadelphia. This was a little over 10 years ago. And I looked up into a tree and I saw a baby kitten looking down at me. And I thought, is this where kittens come from? Kittens grow on trees? This is crazy. So I you know, mustered all the athleticism that I don't have. And I climbed this tree (laughs) and I put the kitten in my shirt, shimmied back down and then was panicked. Like, what do I do next? And that was the day that I learned that shelters cannot save these little kittens most of the time. And then I learned that even if I wanted to do it, there weren't a lot of educational resources out there to teach me how to do that. So So did you do it? Oh yeah. She's my cat now. That's Coco. And I write about her in the intro of my book because she's the kitten who started it all for me. And after that, it was like my cat eyes opened to the world. There were just kittens everywhere. Like I would see them everywhere. And so I became like the neighborhood kitten lady. And when people would say, oh, you're like a cat lady, I'd say, no, I'm more like a kitten lady because I really have always focused on newborns. Yeah. Uh, I've really always just done the orphaned neonatal kittens. And that became my passion because there's a huge gap in resources there and people weren't talking about it. And how can you solve a problem that nobody's talking about? How can you empower people to do this if one, they don't even know about the issues and two, maybe if they care, they don't really know how to do the work. So I started my project Kitten Lady, which is like a she, like when you got Coco, she was like a teensy little pom She was a kitten. teensy little mess. She had one of her eyes crusted shut. She was a mess. Was she these babies' age or little? She was she was about their age, yeah. And oh she was a mess. And I didn't know what to do. The first thing I ever fed her was tiny... a hot dog. <laughs> I was like, she could probably eat a hot dog. I was working at a summer camp. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, I tore up I think I tore up like I did tear up like packaged meat because that's all I had when I got bugged the first. Yeah. Because I well, was 17. I was dumb. I didn't yeah, know. You don't know what you're doing. And I had to, oh, a break. Ew. Okay. Well, oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> we'll be right back with more Hannah Shaw after this. Welcome back to Getting Curious. This is Jonathan Vanessa. So Coco was a little tiny baby. Yeah, she was a little baby. And, uh, you know, she became my best friend. She works in my lap with me every single day while I'm doing this. And she was the kitten that made me realize when other people find these cats outside, these baby kittens outside, I want to be the friend to them that I wished I had had because I didn't have somebody I could call and ask, what do I do? And not just how do I do this, but how do you do it well? And how do you go through kind of the emotions that you go through with this? Because and I know you and I have talked a bit about how emotional it can be when you're working with a vulnerable animal. You know, there's not a guide for that. Now there is. It's called Tiny But Mighty. Yes. But uh, there, I had no, no yeah, idea what to do. Yeah, a sick baby cat is like, whoa. Yeah, I and you deal either. with that when you have 
when you have kittens, they're very immunocompromised. These guys can get sick very easily. They're falling asleep now. They look so angelic. This is like the one thing where a podcast really, it you're missing the visuals of two baby kittens falling asleep in Jonathan's arms. So cute. And she's like holding hands with you. Your jaw is just dropped. <laughs> okay, so um, wow. Okay, oh my god, they really—he just yeah. Go to let it go. You don't have to hold on anymore. Take your little nap. Take your little nap. You're a little baby. You're a little baby. This has got to be the most annoying episode for people to listen to, but I don't care because I can't focus. You can share some photos. <laughs> All right, so it is not the most annoying episode. It's the best one I've ever done. So how? Does Coco like the other kittens? So she is separate from the other kittens. Oh, yeah, because we can't is... we can't introduce pathogens or outside creepy crawlies to Coco. Exactly. And vice versa. So, you know, kittens can carry illnesses and they are also very immunocompromised. So they need quarantine space at least right. for the first two weeks that you have them. So when these guys came to me, they lived in an incubator for the first three weeks because they were so so small. So it really You got is, a kitten incubator? I have a couple kitten incubators. This is my life. I have a baby room in my house. <laughs> yeah. I love wait, so how many kitten incubators do you have? Um we have two right now. We have a third on order. <laughs> Can there be more than one kitten in an incubator or no? Yeah, so they have litter mates, so there's five of them, and uh they all are buddies and they just, you know, live in an incubator for the first couple weeks of life. And every couple hours I wake them up, feed them, help them go potty, clean them. Just a little bot or just a little bottle. Yeah. You have to help them. Pee and poopy? Yeah, so mom cat will actually stimulate her babies to go to the bathroom by licking them. So mom cats are amazing in that way. They stimulate them with their tongue, and then they actually consume the waste, which is like, whoa. So when you foster a mom and babies, you're like, where's their poop? And it's because mom ate it. Why? It keeps them clean, and it keeps the nest kind of, you know, clean and not uh, a target of predators. Because poop is a target for predators. Well, they can smell them, yeah. And these guys are really vulnerable. These guys are such little jelly beans when they're Mom born. Mom doesn't mess around. She's Mom like, I will eat this fierce. shit to protect my babies. She is fierce. I will literally eat shit <laughs> to protect my babies. So, yeah, so when... What about dad cats? Are they in the picture in the wild or no? You know, I don't deal with a lot of parent cats because I mostly focus on orphans. And so I actually very rarely have moms and babies in my life and I never have dads in You've my never life. had a dad? No. These cat dads. I know. Ew. Deadbeats. Yes. No, I... Uh, they're kissing and making muffins on each other now. Uh, no, we we do mostly orphans. So I run a nonprofit organization called Orphan Kitten Club. And we're a 501c3 nursery that also does other programs nationally to help other people do this. But uh, we only take on orphans who are neonates. So babies who are unweaned and don't have their mom. Wow. So every baby I take on is like a hot mess when they come to me. And then we clean them up and get them sparkly and beautiful so that when they meet you, you go, are you sure these guys are rescued? And I'm uh, like, thank you. That's very flattering. That's what I said. Yeah, they looked horrible when they came to me. So we get them nice and shiny and new, get them feeling good, get them, you know, they get that And nice then you adopt them out? Yeah, or? they all get adopted out. So I've raised hundreds and hundreds of kittens and they live all over the country in loving homes. And uh, and it's like, but that, and so you made it your life's work, but other people who like, Maybe have like a like a different, more like traditional office job. Like you would, you could still totally like be a foster parent. You, you would could. just like. 
go like volunteer and find out kind of what the steps are. And you could probably even like if you didn't want to have the pets at your house, you could probably even volunteer at the locations. Like sure. Yeah, you can volunteer on site. And even if you have an office job, you can still foster weaned kittens who don't need, you know, they don't need to be with you all the time. You could do moms and babies. Basically, you take care of mom and mom takes care of babies. So you get all the joy of those little tiny babies, but you don't have to actually wake up in the middle of the night for them. Or, you know, I actually worked in office jobs when I started doing this and I just got permission to just try it. I always tell people just do a test run because you see, they are not. Well, maybe they're distracting to you because <laughs> they're making muffins on you. But they really, they sleep in a, a little carrier 23 hours a day. Everyone. They sleep and they don't make a lot of noise. They're not running around because they're hardly coordinated yet. And these guys, all they need is a few minutes every couple hours to save their life. So I tell people, if you have time to scroll on Instagram and like all of my cat photos, you have time to do this. It yes. takes just a few minutes and it makes a big difference. It is a really temporary thing. So I think sometimes people get intimidated by the idea of being a quote-unquote foster parent because it sounds like they want to adopt every parenting. last one. Well, That's you know. my struggle is I feel like I want to adopt like seven. Like, tell me about like why it's also really fierce to foster and not adopt everyone that you see. Yeah, that, absolutely. Well, Because <clears throat> then we could become hoarders, obviously. Sure, and nobody would nope, want, nobody I saw that episode that. of the one with It's Not Okay. <laughs> right. Well, <clears throat> a big part of my message is goodbye is the goal. So I tell people oh, goodbye is the goal of fostering. I hate that chapter of the book. I don't want it. It's really beautiful because this is a gift that you're giving to them. So when you say goodbye, it allows them to say hello to their new family. And it allows you to say hello to more kittens who are waiting for you. Okay, 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 so it's I think it's a really amazing personal journey you go on when you're fostering because you learn that love is, you know, people say, oh, I would love them too much, so I would keep them. But I say love is not like a feeling you have. It's an action you take, right? Love is an active It's just like a good verb. thing for people that like are maybe in love with someone who wants to be in an open relationship, but you're not ready to be in an open relationship. So it's like, get used to fostering cats. Love like, with love an open a- palm, right? Yes, yes, so yes. So it's like love is something that you give to somebody, you you meet them where they are and you see that they're struggling and you give them love in the way they need it. By the time these guys are eight weeks old, you know that your love has totally transformed their lives and they're ready to launch, right? It's like graduation day. So just like, you know, you might cry at a graduation because you're very proud of the child who has graduated. You're not going to say, Oh, I don't want to go through crying at your graduation, so we're just going to keep you in school forever, <laughs> right? That's true. No, it's a beautiful thing. So I think. So Coco's your only full time cat. Well, I have one other cat, Eloise, um, and she is. It's a, like every once in a while you get a little triggered. You're like, oh, I have to adopt. Her. Like a, a <laughs> well, thing. I always say t- two kittens are definitely better than one. So um, having I think so pairs, too. having pairs is really important because um, two kittens is a whole. Do you suggest that better than like? Do you recommend? I mean, would you rather someone not adopt a cat? If they're not going to get two, or would you say, or because do some do better alone? For kittens, I only recommend adopting in pairs unless you have a cat at home for the kitten to befriend. Because kittens are very social; they need companionship. They learn together. They go through these transitions together. That it's it's a really positive thing for them to have a buddy. Uh, if they can go into a home where there is already a cat, I think that's great. But I don't recommend raising a singleton kitten with no other. Liza Meow Nellie's at my mom's alone, but we had two kind of. 
Well, Liza is a very special kid. Yes. And I want to hear a lot about Liza want- and what's going on. Will you tell me? Sure. Okay, okay. Well, you guys, we didn't even plan that transition, so that's kind of fierce that that happened. I love that. Okay, so basically, all right. So, Bug the First passed away last September. And my grandparents always had, like, a black teacup poodle for 35 years named JP because when one teacup poodle would pass, they would, like, go adopt another black teacup poodle and name it JP, which I always thought was, like, kind of psycho <laughs> until I lost Bug the First. And then I was like, oh, I understand. Like, we don't want to feel the loss. And I, and it was also kind of like me, like, I had all these cute nicknames for Bug and I wasn't ready to stop hearing myself say them. Like, when I come home and I always say... Bugga bugga need a hugga hugga. Like, and then I like chase him and I put him on the couch and then we like kiss his nose for like three minutes of like forced kiss, like kitty face cuddles, um, which he totally loves in purse. So it's like not literally forced, but kind of because it is a little coaxed to get on the couch. But once we're there, he really loves it. It's like going to yoga. <laughs> um, and so, you know what I mean? And so, uh, so then when Bug, Bug passed, I got Bug the second and Liza Meonelli. And I realized after three days that Liza and I were having issues eating like she wasn't wanting to eat as well as bug the first or bug the second was eating and definitely not the same as Larry. Mm. So I was like, is there a bullying issue? So I was trying to like separate so that she wouldn't be like distracted. But then it was like, she didn't want to eat alone either. And I was trying all these different foods and she just like really wasn't wanting to eat, not gaining weight, like bug the second. Cause they were the same age when I adopted them. And so that started to worry me by, like, the fifth day. I was like, okay, this cat's, like, not eating, but really, really, really affectionate, really, mm-hmm. really cuddly. Like, had the kitten equivalent personality of Harry Larry. Would mm-hmm. you watch my story? Do you know, like, how cool Harry Larry is? I, he's very, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, He's very personable. Great, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So I was like, she's got a great personality, and she doesn't seem like she doesn't feel good, but, you know, the not eating was really stressing me out, and she was right. really little. Well, that was really great of you to notice that. A lot of people don't notice, and so that's well, she just wouldn't eat. So a hugely I was like, important thing, monitoring. And I was also, like, just really triggered from losing bug and I was already just very like sensitive to like you know noticing PBMs like eating just you know being quick to look at that sort of thing so then I started noticing like a lot of leaking like there was a lot of like poopy leaking everywhere Mm -hmm. and and I was like what's happening and so then we were doing probiotics trying all these like foods that you know doing them for like two weeks at a time like you know like to give her a chance to like try to adjust and not just switching it every two seconds and making sure that I was doing the same food for all the boys across the board and um Then we moved to New York, and by the time we got done filming in Kansas City and moved to New York, I was dealing with, like, pretty severe accidents, like, once a day. Like, Mm -hmm. it wasn't, like, missing the litter box by a little bit. It would be, like, you know, couch, like, rug, like, just not super close to the litter box, but I was just, like, cleaning it up everywhere, and it was, like, fine. Then when I got back to New York, it was, like, the week of Thanksgiving and, like, five nights in a row, like, I would come up to my bed, and it looked like the aerial golf course view of like a golf course but it was made of like cat diarrhea lakes <laughs> like the shape of golf course like 18 I'm pools I'm sorry to laugh that's like just everywhere. a beautiful description yeah. and it's, it's like how can such a small little yeah. tiny baby make so much liquid diarrhea and she oh. wasn't even eating I she I finally found a food that she would eat yeah. but she didn't eat nearly as much as the other two and I'm like how is that little of food turning into this much liquid oh. so then you know when you're raising a cat with diarrhea you get really used to being training yourself to hear like that shh like, if I heard, like, that pee sound, it sounds like pee-pee. I'm like, oh, no, like, is she? Because I would want to hear, like, litter grind afterwards. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't want to hear, like, the pee on, like, wood. You know? Like, that's yeah. what or, And then when they cr- have diarrhea that badly, there's all these secondary things that happen. They become so dehydrated. Yes, listless. T- so, it's yeah. like, yes. So, then the, the week of Thanksgiving, um, I woke up at, like, 2 in the morning to her, like, pawing my chest. And just, like, you know, because she was very cuddly. Like, loves mm. to sleep. Just the most cuddly, sweet personality cat. 
And she's sitting on my chest, and then I hear the noise. But I was confused because it was two in the morning, and I was like, "No, it couldn't be. <laughs> like you're you're actually on my chest." So I, I know that I'm not. Maybe one of the other cats has diarrhea. So then I turned on the lamp next to my bed, and she had shit gallons of kitten diarrhea like all over my chest like it was over the comforter horrible. but literally just like and like I'm not kidding you when I see like five nights in a row like I'm serious like five nights in a row but at least the first four nights it was like I walked up to it it wasn't in the middle of the night yeah so at that point I was like okay this I like I don't know what to do anymore I need it so I found a vet in, in New York that would help me like r- like raise her because I just like I couldn't keep like just yeah. being like swimming in diarrhea all the time it was like all the time but that was a really painful decision because I was like, I really like, and I was like, I don't, I was like looking at her, I was like, I don't want you to think I'm never going to see you again. Like you're coming right. back home, but I just, like, I no, can't, I don't know what to do. you've been such a loving and responsible guardian But then in her. New York, it was so expensive and the that vet was like just raking me over coals, honey. So then I called the vet in Kansas City who had helped me with, um, helped me when I first adopted them and helped me with Bug the First. And she was like, oh my God, queen. And so I got her back to Kansas City um, and then she raised her, or she raised Liza from like, December to like two weeks ago up to like a nine pounds, totally thriving, um, totally gained weight. I have pictures on my phone. My mom, she lives with my mom now. She's, uh, she's about a year old. Um, she's going to come back to New York in September. Oh my gosh. Really quick break. We'll be right back with more getting curious after this. Welcome back to Getting Curious with Jonathan Vaness. We have Hannah Shaw, uh, kitten lady, activist, cat mother, cat activist. So then she's doing really good now and she's going to bring my, she's, my mom is going to um, house it for me when I'm on book tour in September and she's going to bring Liza back and then I'll have a three cat household. So what question about that is this, we're not having any accidents anymore. We're totally regulated on our food. Um, we have our system down, but when I get Liza back, she's not sick or anything because she's been at my mom's house and has effectively been like in a quarantine. Sure. But she hasn't. My babies, my two, Bug the Second and Larry, haven't wouldn't have seen her for like ten months. Right. So I need to do like a reintroduction again, like how I would have any other time, like keep her in a separate, like in her safe room for like a week and do the whole sock thing. <laughs> yeah, I think um, <clears throat> every. Every case is going to be different, so you are a great judge of of what's going on, and you can, you know, make a decision about when it's when it's right to take those next steps. Uh, definitely, starting with a home base is important. So, just getting her in a space that she's comfortable, you know, so that she's just she's got her crash pad. She knows where she is. She can start smelling things, recognizing this is my territory. I know where my litter box is. I know where my food is. I feel really safe here. I feel loved. Uh, and then you can start scent swapping. Yes, that's so, the sock thing. Yeah, so like giving, you know, take her bed and give it to the others and then take their stuff and give it to her. Um, you know, it's possible that they will see each other and hit it off right away. And it's also possible that it takes a few weeks. Uh, so I always recommend just going into it with an open heart and mind, knowing that, you know, if, if there's some hissing in the beginning, that's okay. Like that is part of the transition. They're just sort of navigating that new uh, relationship in that territory and, you know, figuring out where everybody falls. But uh, I, I think that you are so dedicated to these cats. It's very clear. And I think you're going to do such a good job getting them back to, you know, equilibrium and happiness. You know how sometimes, like, they play fight? How do you, like, and, like you know how, like, cats play fight sometimes? Sure. How do you know if, like, they're, like, hating each other or if it's just, like, normal play fighting? Oh, well, if they're, like, screaming really loudly or if there's, um, you know, there's a difference between... 
a, a scared, really fearful cat who is, uh, you know, on their side, tail poofed out, ears all the way down, big eyes, yeah. you know, loud, uh, yeah. loud yes. sounds versus just kind of, you know, like tumbling around in the schoolyard. So okay, wait. Here's this other thing. This is like a lot of me talk, not because a lot no, of times okay. I interview, I try to like do things more for like general questions, but. It's my fucking podcast. I have questions I about love, my babies. And I want to hear about your So cats. lately, I've been with Bug the First and Larry, because we're filming right now, you know, in Philadelphia and everything. Mm-hmm. And I just got to this point where I'm, like, over not having my cats. Mm-hmm. Like, and I just was like, I'm going to be, I heard that Taylor Swift, like, always has her cats, like, just judging from her gram. Right. And I was like, I want to be Taylor Swift. Like, I want to have my cats everywhere. So I started, like, having Harry, Larry, and Bug the Second coming with me, like, from Philly to New York, because it's, like, an hour drive. And I just have been, like, having them come with me. Mm-hmm. Bug the Second such an expert traveler. Oh, He good. pops right into his little kitty carrier, doesn't make a sound. His ears aren't pissed off. <laughs> he just, like, looks out the window and his little... He doesn't want to come out of the kitty carrier. Uh. That stresses him out. But he's happy as a clam and his little... And he's not stressed out afterwards. You would think Harry Leary, with how fun he is, that he doesn't mind. This cat is the worst traveler you have ever, ever, ever seen. So at first, I was like, I don't want to drug my cat. So I was like, I'm going to just not drug you. This cat screamed meowed. I've never heard a cat make noises like this. Like, I, I was like, oh, he'll probably calm down in a little bit. He was making the same noise from the time my we left the apartment till the time we walked, like, from door to door. Sure. He was hoarse. He's singing. But he was literally, like, the next day, like, his meows, like, when he tried to meow, like, yeah. normal, he was, like, cackly. Like, he was hoarse from, yeah. like, using his voice too much. Uh. So then I was like, um... Maybe like a little Benadryl. Like I read online, like a little baby, like, like, let's start with like a BB gun instead of like a cannon. That didn't do anything. And then I was like, what about our friend Gabapentin? So I shoved a little Gabapentin in there. Still more angry than a banshee. Like, what should I do? Just like put a towel over his carrier? Because even when I, because like he does want to get out of his carrier. Because I was thinking maybe. Is he happy once he gets there? Like, is you're staying there for an extended period and then he's happy once he arrives. He just doesn't like traveling. Exactly. Well, um, the gabapentin is what I did with my cats when I traveled across the country. Uh, and we have, I have, my partner and I have three cats. Um, and his cat, Haroon, uh, is very much the same way, like cries the entire time. And the gabapentin didn't do much. Uh, do we double know, dose them or is that bad? No, 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 no I certainly wouldn't do that. No, I certainly wouldn't do that. That was for everyone but else. Can, I, don't, I don't know that. You can cover, do you cover with a towel or with a blanket? Does that help like to that? just like yeah. cut off the stimulation? So, yeah, so you have to think like a cat when you're wondering, when you're getting curious about a cat, <laughs> yes. what you want to think like a cat. So you're in a carrier, you can see out and you're thinking, I'm here, but why can't I be there? When you cover it, it's more like a wall. So, you know, you just put a nice little blanket cover. That's why I even have here, like, I had a blanket covering them when I came in. Because it's just, it's a little more calm. It's dark. It's like a little cave where they feel like, okay, I can kind of, like, cave in here and just get through these few hours that it takes to get to where you're going. But if, if if it's a totally stressful thing all the way through, then, you know, you can't make a cat do something that a cat doesn't want to do. The other suggestion I have is if you want to have cats with you, you could train them um, if they want to be trained on a harness because... How do you train a cat on a harness? Because I've tried. They they hated it. Well, you just have to do it in a very gentle way. So, uh, you know, I my cats are trained on harness. What if it's an old cat? 
Uh, well, you know, it's a, it's up to the cat. Every cat is different. There's a lot of different ways to Harry be. Harry Leary de- like developed how to like bend his knees in a way I've never seen a cat bend their knees when I got a harness, and he literally oh. jumped vertically in the air and then turned over on his back and was like back flopping on the concrete. Like I was like, you're gonna hurt yourself. Yeah. And he was just really big, and I he just wanted to kind of drag. Like he wanted me to drag. He wasn't into yeah. walking. So slow and steady for sure. You know, you can put it on them and then give them their favorite treat indoors and then just take it off. So they're like, oh, cool. When I put this on, I get a treat. And this is, you know, positively reinforcing that the harness is a good thing. It's not scary. Um, and then maybe the next, you know, once they're comfortable with that, you put the harness on them and you walk outside for two seconds and go, that's what the outside looks like, Larry. And then go right back in. And he's like, okay, I'm fine. And then, you know, you work, you work up from there. So it's like a challenge line. You're He's always a harness doing a cat. little more. Maybe, but also maybe not. And I think, oh. you know, you just want to like oh, yeah. meet them where they are. But of course, if you get kittens, you can harness train them from the beginning. And then these guys could be little adventure cats for whoever they go to. Are um, you my harness cats? I don't, you'd have to get like a hamster harness for them at this age. Because they're so little. <laughs> so what do cats see? And like when they're babies, like are they, co- like are cats colorblind? Like what do they hear? Like what, yeah, are, what, what so do cats think about There's stuff? a whole section in my book all about the biological development of kittens because, you know, it changes so much. If you get a two week old kitten and you're going, look over here for the photo, they can't. Like their eyes might be open at that point, but they can't see anything. So, when they're born, their eyes are closed. They're sealed shut, and you just leave them shut. They you don't open them on you know they open on their own between eight to twelve days. And when their eyes open, they really can't see very much. They can't focus. Their pupils don't really dilate to light, so they really just are meant to be sleeping and incubating at that period. Uh, but right around this stage, the ones in your arms, uh, they're. You know, they just turned four weeks. Between three and a half and four weeks, everything starts to change. So you start to see more of the iris as the pupil dilates more. uh, And you start to see that they actually can track movement in space. So all of a sudden, only in the last two days, you look at the kittens and they are, are looking back at you. Before now, they couldn't look back at you. So that's why I said you're like the first person that these kittens have really laid eyes on because they mostly just nap and they can't see anything until right now. Uh, so now they're starting to be curious about the world around them. They uh, can track objects in space. They can try to reach out to different objects. Uh, they're also becoming more coordinated at this age. So until now, they couldn't walk, and now they're starting to be able to walk. So they can see something and say, I want to go over there and engage with whatever yeah. it is, which means they're just about old enough to start having toys. They don't play yet, but they will in about the next couple of days. And, like, hunting Someday, because they yes. can see stuff. So at four weeks, they get their canines. So if you look in their mouth, um, here, I'll open their little teeth for you. Check this out. The cutest teeth in the world. <laughs> you see those little tiny fang teeth, the canines? So those just popped through in the last, like, two days. Are you like teething babies? And those canines are what they use for hunting. So uh, they don't have their premolars yet. If you look at the side of the mouth, they just have gums. Those are the teeth that are for actually eating meat. And in the wild, they like meat. They like, what are they? They just like are everything vores. Well, these guys are carnivores, but at this age, they're nursing. So what happens is the teeth, the tooth development actually uh, really indicates what they are able to do. When they're born, they have no teeth. So they might even, you know, they can even hiss at you that young, but they hiss with this little gummy mouth and it's like the cutest thing in the world. Three weeks, they get their little incisors, those tiny, tiny teeth at the front. And those are not used for anything other than grooming. Have you ever seen a cat kind of like gnaw at their paw to clean? So that's the incisors. Those come in at three weeks. 
then at four weeks, they get these little canines. And the canines are for actually, like, stabbing <laughs> for hunting. Oh. So that's why at four weeks, they start being like, wait a minute, I have these little stabby teeth, and I can see stuff, and I can walk. Yes. I should try to bite something. Uh, so that's four weeks. Five weeks, their premolars come in. Those are the teeth on the side of the mouth, and that's when they can start eating meat. So in the wild, mom cat right now would be bringing, like, weak prey to her babies, and they wouldn't be expected to eat it. They would just be expected to, like take a couple bites and be like, you know, oh, okay, I'm learning how to hunt. Uh, but next week is when they'll start weaning. Mom would bring them like a like an almost dead mouse? Yeah, icky. Ew. <laughs> I know. We don't do that in my house. No, 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 no. <laughs> we just give them little like rattle mice and little crinkle balls and stuff like that. <laughs> Much cuter. Yes. <laughs> um, our, our kids can see color. Uh, they can see some color, but these guys, can't. they're still not really able to see very much. Uh, you know, they can kind of see movement better than they can see color. But so, what about when they can get older? Or when they do, like, are they colorblind when they're older? Uh, I They can see some color, but they mostly see in movement. So, like, they are very, very good at observing something that is moving like, if there's stillness and then suddenly there's movement. Yeah. if you think about, like, a lion on the savanna and it's still, they need to be able to see when an object starts moving yeah. in the distance so that they can chase after and hunt. Uh, so that's, I, I imagine if you're a cat, if you're a kitten, you know, and you're you're looking out at the world, you're really seeing a lot of uh, the, the motion. And that is what gets them, you know, hunting and getting really excited about playing with you. That's why kittens sometimes bite hands and feet because yeah, your like hands and feet Yeah, like under the blankets especially. Oh, yes. Yeah. Do you have cats yes. that hunt your feet? Yes. Major, like Larry was a major foot hunter and, mm-hmm. and Bug the Second also is. Mm, yeah. Major foot hunters. Yeah. So what, like through your years of being a kitten baby advocate and expert like and I'm sure so many people come to you with so many cat issues sure what are like the biggest like cat parent issues like like uh like fighting cats or like cats that fight or like cats that don't get along or like a timid cat and they want it to be like what are like the things that people struggle with the most well, I mostly am working with people who are saving baby kittens, so uh, I get a lot of the same questions uh, with that, with foster parents, uh, or with people who are interested Don't in fostering. Don't suck his pee-pee, weirdo. Oh, I'm so sorry. They might be hungry. Oh my <laughs> gosh, I looking... think he was nursing for his Peter. She's looking for... Uh... That's not your mother's breast. She's looking for their bottle, so we can we can have you feed her. Oh, let's feed. Um, oh, wait, let's do it on Instagram because I want sure, people to see yeah, it. Yeah, okay. No, okay, uh, okay. no, poor wait, you. Got I will. I'll like hold Sunbeam so for a little bit. Poor you. I know. No, poor poor Mountain Gem needs to have poor his bits proje- protected. Gem, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, so common things that people ask about yes. kittens. Uh, well, the first I would say is people just have a lot of misconceptions about whether, like, what whether they're able to foster. I get a lot of people who are like, "Oh, well, I wish that I could do what you do, but I can't because you know I don't have enough room in my house or something like that." And that's when it's I like show a them something like this. It's like you have room to do this. Absolutely. Um, there are a lot of misconceptions about uh, barriers that people perceive to being able to do this work. So they think maybe, oh, I hear all the time, if I had a million dollars, if I win the lottery, I'll start saving animals. And I'm like, you don't have to have a million dollars 
to start. You don't even have to have $100 to start. This is a thing that uh, the shelters sponsor your ability to do this. So you sign up to foster and they cover all your vaccines, your spay neuter if they get you know, sick and they need medical care. Uh, really, you know, a big part of my message, especially in the book, is is teaching people that, you know, all that you really need to provide is is love and attention and a safe space to be. Uh, there's a couple skills that you need to have, some things you need to know, like, for instance, these kittens need to be kept warm. They can't thermoregulate. So, uh, you know, for the first four weeks of life, they cannot control their own body temperature at all. They need a heat source. Uh, so that's an important thing for people to know. Uh, it's important for people to know how often to feed them and how to help them go to the bathroom. What do you do if you find a cat? If you find a cat or a, a kitten. A kitten, I mean. Kitten. If you find a kitten, then, yeah, you want to start to assess the situation and say, is this kitten under five weeks or over five weeks? How, and how do we know that? Eyes open or eyes closed? If they're running around and they're pouncing on stuff. That's, and, five, uh, that's over five weeks. Then that's probably a uh, five five plus week old kitten. These guys, we want to, you know, take them in to foster care uh, so that they can be socialized for adoption. Under five weeks, you want to do what we talked about earlier, try to reunite them with mom. But I have all of this stuff in the book um, and people can learn really everything from rescue to adoption and everything in between how to cope emotionally while you're doing it, how to have fun while you're doing it. Um, So how do we cope emotionally? There's an entire chapter in here. Where's the one about the... I want to see the color of poop that oh, we Oh, well, to. while you were talking about but Liza... let's go over that. I want to talk about Liza's poop. While you were talking about Liza, um, let me find... There it is. Uh, this is just something I thought that you might get a kick out of. It's the color wheel of poop, and this is all about... And red's blood, so that's not good. This is all about getting curious about kitten poop, which is a very important thing, because your, your cat's poop is like their report card. It kind of tells you... Oh, my God. She, Liza's was very beige. Yeah. Very beige. So listen to beige, you guys. Pale poop is often a sign that the kitten is failing to absorb nutrients from her food. Literally, that's what it was. Hmm. Um, Because she had the IBS and she wasn't absorbing the nutrients. Um, A probiotic or pre-digestive enzyme can help support kittens with malabsorption concerns. We had that. Oh, my God. I wonder if she did get prematurely weaned. Overfeeding was not our case. Yeah, yeah. So there's, and of course, this is Multitude just a guideline. Multitude of reasons, yeah, of course. Uh, but it's something for people to have. So, you know, everything in this book, it's meant to be, you know, fun, but also a thing that if if you're fostering or you're taking care of a kitten and it's the middle of the night, you don't know who to talk to, you have this resource. And, you know, I also have, like, literally hundreds of videos on my YouTube channel talking to people about how to do this So very stuff. active on YouTube, very active yeah, on the gram. Yeah, so if you just go on, if you just search Kitten Lady, you'll find my videos. And then it's it's meant to be kind of an inviting and accessible form of education for people who are interested in taking care of kittens and also helping the cats who live outdoors in our communities. And if you have a cat or a dog and you find like a like a stray kitten or cat, it is important if you are going to bring them into your home. Like, like let's say it's the morning you have to go to work and you like want to bring the cat inside just to like get them out of harm's way or whatever, like put them in a separate room in your house until you take them to the vet in case they do have like a contagious disease that you don't want your aunt, like your sure, current animal. Sure, yeah. Get. Two weeks minimum quarantine while you're getting them nice and sturdy and robust. And, you know, these guys have passed their quarantine now, which is why they get to be here in your loving oh. arms, loving on your beard. Okay, well, uh, 
Hannah Shaw, I hope that this wasn't me just pitting a cat for 40 minutes. I feel like we got good information. I loved watching you bond with them. I think that they love you, and uh, I love hearing about your cats, too. I can talk about this stuff all day. Um, did we? This is the part though. Since we are wrapping up, is there anything that we missed that people really need to know? Like, what can, what can, what do, we, what do you want people to know about kitten adoption, about cat parentship? Oh gosh, I mean, there's so much. Uh, so rewarding. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I I encourage anybody who is interested in making a difference in the world to consider fostering kittens. It is a way that you can see your own power, and I think it spills out into so much of your life to to be so empowered to realize the difference that one person can make. Uh, it's a really beautiful gift that you can give your you know babysitting for a couple weeks, and it gives them the gift of up to twenty plus years of life. Uh, how often do we have these big problems in the world? that are so solvable, right? I think there's a lot of a lot of pain in the world, especially right now, and this is something that when you learn that hundreds of thousands of kittens are being euthanized in animal shelters, that can feel really overwhelming. But, hundreds of thousands. But every single one of us can play our small part in changing that. So I would just say, you know, get out there, uh, you know, save some kittens' lives. I have the tools to help you do it. So whether you want to learn through an audio book, through a hardcover book, through a YouTube video through Instagram however you learn best like I am here for you I love people who have the compassion to save these kittens lives so um, I just I'm, I love this movement so much and so I'm, it's like if this speaks to you like there is resources for you to get involved yes please we need you absolutely uh, um, my final question is, is is five cats too much for me to raise no it depends on the person I know I already know the answer it's no it's not too much it's okay just well it enough. depends on the person it absolutely depends and uh, just, you know I might have to hire a cat nanny though because I'm a little bit the yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I think that everybody knows their own boundaries, and it's important to listen to your gut and listen to your heart and, you know, do what is right for you. And my heart and my gut and my cat ovaries are screaming Ooh, yeah. to take these two home. No, I get it. Weeks. I have, like, a cat uterus inside of me that yes. aches when I don't have babies, and I'm like, what is going on? Yeah, I my, need I'm feeling more really, kittens. I don't need to. I'm feeling really, like, ugh. I, I'm feeling just off without kittens. I'm needing more. Well, you look very maternal with these babies and I know you have your little toothbrush so you can do some grooming Uh, with the babies we gotta go make this content (laughs) thank you so much thank you you've been listening to Getting Curious with me Jonathan Van Ness my guest this week was Hannah Shaw You'll find links to Hannah's work and socials in the episode description of whatever you're listening to the show on. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at CuriousWithJVN. Our theme music is Freak by Quinn. Thank you so much to her for letting us use it. If you enjoy our show, tell everyone about it. Introduce a friend. Show them how to subscribe. Getting Curious is produced by Emily Bossick, Julie Carrillo, Ray Ellis, Harry Nelson, and Colin Anderson. 